welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast so good it's scary. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Hello, fourth bros. It's me, the devil. And on this Halloween, I'm going to take you to a parallel universe. A world in which the College Football Bros is a Rutgers-only podcast. Welcome to the Rutgers Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman. I'm joined by my brothers Ryan and Trey. Feel free to email us at neverforget2006 at gmail.com. And as always, if you're a Rutgers fan, please call 800-273-8255. That is the suicide prevention hotline so guys we are still winless in the big 10 um but you know let's let's try to be positive um what you know what's something good you you've seen this season there's there's got to be something yeah you know i mean that that 15th interception thrown by art zitkowski i mean that was a great spiral i mean he throws a really catchable ball I mean, they're just such easy balls to catch that even DBs can get them. And, you know, we got Ohio State at home next year. Stranger things have happened, haven't they? Yeah, they they probably have. Um, and we got our health, right? You know, that's, that's something. We f***ing suck. Okay, I think you've had enough. For now. <laughs> All right. Sorry for uh, that interruption, but <laughs> you guys ready hey, to get back to the normal show? Hey, they almost beat Northwestern. That's true. Almost. Almost. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move into football. Uh, let's recap week nine. It was a crazy week. Oklahoma State beat Texas 38 to 35. Ryan, what'd you take from this one? Yeah, I was I was very surprised at how poorly Texas's defense played in that first half. Oklahoma State was able to do anything they wanted. They were up 31-14 at halftime, but in the second half, that kind of changed. I mean, maybe it looked to me a little bit like the Cowboys got a little conservative and just allowed Texas to get back into it. Uh, but when it mattered most, Taylor Cornelius, he made some big plays to, to hold off the Longhorns. And this was probably Cornelius' best game we've seen out of him, especially against, you know, Texas a good a big game and so that's just got to be a huge confidence booster not only for him but for the entire Cowboy team after they've had a couple of tough losses lately so big win for the for the Cowboys yeah like you said corn dog he was brilliant for Okie State <laughs> I love that I love that nickname corn dog <laughs> he, he had some clutch runs late in the fourth which is obviously yeah. not his forte so and and a guy like him that's waited his turn and making the most of it in his last year that that's cool good for him but when you watch when you watch Texas Ellinger, you know, he's pretty solid, but you're just never fearing him in their offense. Uh, at least that's my my opinion. And, you know, Ingram and Watson are serviceable backs, but they're just not they're not game changers. Uh, as far as Texas as a whole, I'm not I'm not writing them off as far as winning the Big 12, but their playoff balloon just popped. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. But how about uh, we're burying the lead here, guys? How about Tom Herman and Mike Gundy going at it? Yeah, I figured we'd get to that after the uh the breakdown. No, I'm ready right now. I'm ready oh, okay. now. Whose right. side are you on, Tom Herman or Mike Gundy? I'm on Gundy's, no doubt. <laughs> no, no doubt. I mean Herman. 
admitted that he was wrong after the game, pretty much. Yeah. Herman, not a good look for Herman, man. He's he's had a few of those instances on the sidelines where it's just not not what an elite coach does or how he I acts. Think, yeah, I think I said before this this season, I just, I don't like Tom Herman. I, yeah, I, no. I, right? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of unlikable. He's not making it easy, that's for sure. Plus, he's the head coach of Texas, so... That's already hard enough. No, I like Texas. I always want to cheer for Texas. I'm Mr. Texas's back. Yeah, that is true. You are. But sorry, Tom. Nobody really likes him right now. <laughs> no. But anyway, one thing that may have ended up costing Texas here was cornerbacks Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis, two starters, were suspended for the first quarter and they showed up to a late they showed up late to a team function, I guess. And Oklahoma State got off to a really good start through the air, scored seventeen points in that first quarter. Uh, but credit to the Oklahoma State receivers, because even when the corners did come back, when Chris Boyd did come back, Tylen Wallace had a huge game. Ten receptions for 222 yards and two touchdowns. He's already almost at 1,000 yards on the season. He's a sophomore, so he looks to be their next, you know, James Washington, their next, who else have they had? Woods. Des Bryant. Des Bryant, yeah. Rashawn, Rashawn Woods, wow. I went way oh. back with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Des Bryant was low-hanging fruit. I was going to leave yeah. that for somebody else. Justin Blackman. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. A lot of, wow. All right. <laughs> I was really into football in like 2004. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll move on. Georgia dominated the fourth quarter and beat Florida 36-17. to 17. Trey, what'd you see here? Yeah, like you said, they dominated the fourth quarter, but the score of this one was a little misleading. Florida was in the game for most of it, yeah. uh, but but the Florida turnovers were just a little too much to overcome. Two things stood out to me in this one. One, Florida's defense was really good. They were dealt a shorthand a couple times due to turnovers by their offense, and they even had a remarkable six-play goal line stand when Georgia started that drive at the Gators' one-yard line. That was ridiculous. Um, that was impressive, and... But I got to give credit number two to to Jake Fromm. He he played well in this one, seventeen to twenty four, two forty and three scores, and most importantly, no turnovers. So we we've been kind of getting on his back, but uh, but he played his best game in in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think you brought up all the relevant points there with the turnovers. Uh, but I do think one thing you didn't mention: a key for Georgia in this game was they were able to run the ball effectively, except for that goal line stand, obviously. That wasn't a great moment for them, but 41 runs in the game compared to 24 passes. That's that's the balance or, or the lack of balance that that Georgia wants, I think. And you, like you said, Fromm was able to be efficient with those 24 passes. So uh, nice win for them. You know, of course, the floodgates opened late and it was closer than than maybe the score would indicate, but still solid win. Yeah, Michael, I echo your sentiments. I mean, I, I said that a couple of weeks ago about Georgia that just when they're playing their best, they're not passing it 40 times with Jake Fromm. This is their recipe for success. They have great depth at running back. Uh, Holyfield and um, uh, Swift, Holyfield and Swift are great backs, and they just got to keep feeding them, and that's when they're at their best. So you got to be encouraged if you're Georgia. Um, but also if you're Florida, I think you can go, come away from a, a lot of positives from this game. I mean, you hung in there for three quarters, and, you know, I mean, it could have been a little bit different at the end, minus a couple of turnovers. So it, it's you're still looking at this uh, as through rose-colored glasses, I think, if you're a Gator fan. Yep, definitely ahead of schedule under Mullen. Mm-hmm. Next game, Washington State came back from down 14 to win 41 to 38 on a late field goal at Stanford, and we actually received a video on Instagram 
from <laughs> friend of the podcast, from friend of the bros, Aaron, a big Washington State fan. And he was in costume during this video. So unfortunately, you can't see that. <laughs> but uh, let's just let's play the audio. Hey, college football bros. You guys, this is Kenny Powers reporting live, <laughs> talking all that shit preseason about my Cougs not winning four games. Guess what? We about to be top ten in the country, motherfucker. You're fucking out. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost better without uh, the video. That was that was good. Yeah. So Kenny Powers, that was good. Yeah, Kenny Powers. Yeah, Kenny Powers is right. We uh, we were all down on Washington State before the year. I think I think so we all. Yeah. yeah, no, Ed, that's true. Everyone was. I think their over-under was like six and a half, which are, are they seven and one right now? They've already gone over. Yeah, they're seven and one. Yeah. So crazy, crazy good uh, coaching job from from Leach and Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Who the hell? It's been incredible all year. He yeah. was great in this one. He had 19 straight completions at one point in the second half. Uh, to be fair, neither defense could really get any pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So he had all day to throw. So did KJ Costello, who was just hucking it up to. Caden Smith, our Sega Whiteside, they had great games too. But Cougs pulled it out, and it's looking more and more likely that the Pac-12 North will come down to the Apple Cup. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Uh, man, just it, Gardner Minshew, just where did he come from? You know, I mean, he East was Carolina. East Carolina. I was joking. I, just, <laughs> I know. I know. I, I literally know where he came from. What did from, you expect when you asked that? <laughs> I, I just mean like, You think oh, we were yeah. just going to let that sit there as a rhetorical? Yeah, I thought you were. I thought you were going to echo my sentiments and just kind of play along and be like, "Yeah, I know, right?" Like, what? <laughs> nope. Okay, he came from East Carolina, but what do you do at East Carolina? Played quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> my point exactly. It's just it's crazy how well he's playing. I mean, he's playing like the best quarterback in the Pac-12, and he was obviously outstanding in this one. And Leach just has that offense operating just like he wants. He had ten different receivers in this game record at least two catches. That's that's tough to deal with if you're a defense. So great win for the Cougs, especially when you consider they had such an emotional win the week before against Oregon. So that's to me, that's even more impressive. I, I agree. You know, you guys about Minshew, like as of this moment, he would have to be at least third in the Heisman right now, right? Like you've got Tua and Kyler Murray. Tua and Kyler Murray, I think, are a, a distant one too. Yeah. And I mean, sure, you could, yeah. I but mean, like, Minshew, Minshew why not? leads the country in passing. He's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Who but, else would it be? Who would be number three? Uh, I mean, Minshew's got as good a case Derek as anybody. Derek King. Derek King. I mean, ETN was up there. He had a, he kind of had it, didn't have a big game. Maybe Mackenzie Milton. But, Mackenzie Milton. Yeah. He yeah. missed a game. But yeah. Anyways, he, he's been magnificent. I won't, I won't harp on that. But, uh, and from in this particular game, you could kind of tell that this was going to be a game where, Whoever had the ball last would probably end up winning, and sure enough, that's that's pretty much what happened. It's really amazing, though, to see a Stanford defense just get gashed, and and also an offense not being able to get the the short yardage first down conversions that we've grown accustomed to to seeing them uh, get. So it's uh, it's not your traditional Stanford squad. No, that that's one of the bigger surprises of the of the year that the. Stanford running game is not fantastic. Like they're bringing everybody back on the O line. Of course, I know Bryce Love's been hurt, but still, yeah, it just hasn't been good at all. Like at any point this year. No. All right, let's move on to two of the craziest division races this season: ACC Coastal and Big Ten West. We'll start with the Coastal. Ryan, why don't you give us a recap of the big games from the Coastal this past weekend? 
Alrighty. Uh, so the first one we'll start with is Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech, and this one was played on Thursday. The Yellow Jackets used a 35 nothing run to dominate the Hokies in Blacksburgs, and they ended up winning 49-28. to There's their backup quarterback, Tobias Oliver. He ran all over the Hokies for uh, over 200 yards and three teams. He ran Oliver the Hokies? Nice, nice. Well, you kind of you kind of said it. I you just didn't said realize it. Like that. it. <laughs> I that's true. That is such a hokey <laughs> joke, Michael. Oh, oh boy, boy, wow. that was go. meta. <laughs> All right, uh, so good win for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, then we have Miami at BC. This one was on Friday. Uh, Boston College just rode AJ Dillon all night. He led them to the twenty-seven fourteen victory over the Hurricanes. Miami's got a serious problem at quarterback. Malik Rogier was very ineffective in this game and threw a couple of picks. Mark Richt has got his hands full, but uh, but a good win for for Boston College. Then we got Duke. Rozier. Rozier. Oh, dang it, I said Rozier, didn't I? <laughs> we, we haven't talked about him in a while, and I kind of forgot about it too. Yeah, well, when I was preparing, I had Rozier in my head. And I was like, okay, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And if he was nope. good, everyone would know about him. So yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. All right, Duke at Pitt. Uh, not a whole lot of do- uh, defense in this one. Pitt won 54 to 45, thanks in large part to 484 rushing yards and uh, over a nine yards per carry average. So a uh, pretty brutal loss there for Duke. Knocks them out of the that divisional race. And then finally, we got North Carolina at Virginia. Bryce Perkins continues to shine for the Cavaliers. He threw three touchdown passes and also rushed for over 100 yards to lead Virginia to the 31-21 victory over the very struggling uh, Tar Heels at this point. All right, so the standings right now in the Coastal. Virginia, first place alone at 4-1. and one. Virginia Tech and Pitt tied for second at 3-1, and one, and Miami in fourth at 2-2. Two and two. So the question is, who's going to win the Coastal? Trey, what do you think? Well, whoever wins it, it could be the most lopsided conference championship game we've we've really ever seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, uh, well, matching Wisconsin up beat up on Nebraska pretty bad. I was just I'm talking. Thinking, yeah. No, 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 but I'm talking about <laughs> anticipated point spread yeah, yeah. point spread no, yeah you might be right but regardless uh i want to say i want to i really do want to say virginia tech because they get the cavaliers at home but they have arguably the toughest schedule of the contenders remaining so i'm gonna say virginia because i like their schedule i'm i'm not super confident picking them but that's who i like now yeah i i mean similarly came down to the same two teams because i threw miami back i threw miami out they're already game and a half back lost the head-to-head against virginia pitt is just not very good. Also have a, a brutal remaining schedule. But I I am going to go with Virginia Tech, Trey. I'm going against you. Um, I think it's going to come down to that last game. It's possible it won't. It's possible Virginia Tech loses before and Virginia just runs away with it. But I, I have some faith in Justin Fuente. So I think they'll get Virginia at home. Okay, well, I'm going to agree with Trey. And, you know, I said it a few weeks ago, actually. I'm going to pat myself on the back here, boys. Get ready. Um, I, I said a few weeks ago that I liked this Virginia team and that Bronco Mendenhall had his, his squad on the rise. And since I said that they've won three in a row and I don't see any reason to go against them now. And if you go by FPI, they've got the best chance. I mean, it seems obvious, I guess, but I'm not going to go against them. So I'm going to say they, they get it done. Okay. Big 10 West now, Trey, why don't you recap the, uh, the big ones from the Big 10 West this past weekend? All right, the first one, we had Wisconsin at Northwestern. Alex Honeybrook didn't go in this one, but I'm not entirely sure it would have mattered. Northwestern held Jonathan Taylor to 46 yards to stop his streak of 100-yard games at 8. Northwestern dominated this one in a 31-17 victory. Next, we had Iowa at Penn State. 
Iowa managed to get two safeties in this game, which is a rarity, but they couldn't rally and lost 30-24. to The play of this game, to me, was on first and goal at the three-yard line with three minutes left in the game. Nathan Stanley threw just a complete boneheaded interception. Uh, the, the win stopped the bleeding for Penn State, and the, the loss for Iowa severely damages their West Division host. Michael, did you have a comment on that? Well, I mean, I, I, maybe it was a boneheaded interception, but I forget who it was. Was it Fant or whoever it was that was lined up? Yeah, it was Fant. He just didn't go. He just he didn't see the he snap. He didn't see that it was and, snapped. So I don't yeah. know. I've, he might be to blame there. I'm not sure who's to blame, but either yes, way. Fair enough. It was a, a team boneheaded interception. They, yeah, I'll, I can live with that. <laughs> uh, next game, Purdue at Michigan State. Michigan State won this 23 to 13. What a difference a week makes after Purdue's offense did whatever they wanted to Ohio State. They were slowed down to a halt by the Sparty defense, and Rocky Lombardi filled in nicely for Lewerke by throwing for 318 and two touchdowns. Quarterback controversy? Ooh. I mean, if we're just going by name, you got to go with Rocky. And hair. Well, yeah. Yeah. Good analysis. <laughs> Guess he got the job. All right. Wow. According to us, he's got the job. Um, <laughs> I'll tell D'Antonio. All right. Big Ten West standings. Northwestern on top at five and one, and then a three-way tie with Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue at three and two. Is anyone going to catch Northwestern? Uh, you know, it's going to be tough, but I-, I think the Hawkeyes will be able to catch them. Uh, Northwestern has a huge game this week against Notre Dame. Uh, and then the yeah, following that, week, they well, go, it doesn't matter for the that's conference. Not a though. division. I know, but hear me out. It, the, the The next week, no, they no, go, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the ne- the next week, they go to Iowa, so they'll be coming off of a really tough game against Notre Dame. Maybe they'll be a little bit fatigued going into Iowa City. Um, so I think the Hawkeyes are going to be able to win that one at home. You know, we all know the Hawkeyes are tough, tough there. So. And that just means, can the Hawkeyes take care of business elsewhere? And I think they can. They got Nebraska, Illinois, and Purdue elsewhere. So I think they can take care of those teams. It's not a for sure guarantee, obviously, but I'm going to say Iowa uh, kind of surprises us and pulls it off. Okay. Well, I agree with you that Iowa is going to beat Northwestern. So I'll say Northwestern goes 7-2 and in conference, but that means Iowa needs to win the rest of their games. And I don't think they will. I think they're going to lose at Purdue. Uh, that's this weekend. So pretty much I'm saying I think the Big Ten West might come down to this game. If Iowa loses, then I think Northwestern's going to win the division. If they win, then I say Iowa, but I, th- I think they'll lose. I, I'm, I'm sticking with Northwestern, uh, just be- and I think it's going to be, in the end, it's going to be because of that opening day win against Purdue. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a big tiebreaker to have. Who knew Like at that point? That's crazy. Okay, let's, uh, let's get to the rapid recaps. Ryan, you're up first. Okay, our first game here is Baylor at West Virginia. This one was played on uh, Thursday. West Virginia responded as well as they could have uh, to their first loss of the season uh, by destroying Baylor. They were up 41-0 at halftime, so a complete domination. Uh, And as you can imagine, Will Greer was awesome, but the defense played great too, so that's probably the more important thing if you're a Mountaineer fan. Uh, Moving on to Washington at Cal. Washington's lack of offense definitely cost them again here. They could only manage 10 points. Uh, and they ended up losing 12 to 10 freshman chase garbers outplayed browning i guess you could say even though he was pretty average himself uh but just a huge win for justin wilcox and cow they didn't uh, even then, score an offensive touchdown yeah but <laughs> they found a way and jake browning got benched 
Yeah, it's true. What happened? What happened in that game? It's who the hell knows? I don't know. It's not looking good for Washington, though, right now. Uh, no, no. Uh, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Uh, what a turnaround for Nick Fitzgerald this week. Uh, he carried the Bulldogs. He was 14 of 22 for 240 yard, 241 yards uh, and two touchdowns. No picks is obviously important for him. Then he had 88 yards and another two touchdowns on the ground. So just like I said last week, guys, Joe Moorhead needs to stick with Nick Fitzgerald, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Kellen Mond, this was like your favorite game ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So great, great game of quarterback play there. Uh, Texas Tech at Iowa State is my last game. The Cyclones were able to win this one 40 to 31 behind another good effort from Brock Purdy. Uh, the defense also stepped up, uh, forcing three Allen Bowman interceptions, and that makes three in a row now for Iowa State. So the Cyclones are back. They have a legit chance to make the Big 12 championship. No, they absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My first game, App State lost 34-14 to at Georgia Southern. And the reason for this was Zach Thomas got injured first series of the game, and his backups came in. And Zach Thomas, by the way, is App State's quarterback. His backups went 11 for 26 with one touchdown and four interceptions. Ryan, do you have something to say? Well, I said Zach Thomas. I thought he was a linebacker. Oh, yeah. Well, the Dolphins. That's true as well. But he has an H, I think, on his name. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is Zach Tomas. (laughs) No, just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Never mind. Uh, Huge win, though, for Georgia Southern to give them credit. And they are tied at 4-0 with Troy atop the Sun Belt East. Next game, Arizona State won at USC 38-35. to JT Daniels and Matt Fink were out, but that wasn't the reason USC lost. Jack Sears actually played pretty well. Uh, it was USC's defense, allowing 44 rushes for 283 yards, and USC's special teams allowing a 92-yard Nikhil Harry punt return touchdown. That was crazy. It was really crazy. Nikhil Harry had another crazy play where he laid out for that catch. Maybe the catch of the year. That was incredible. He's, he is incredible. Clay Helton is feeling the heat, apparently, because he fired offensive line coach Neil Calloway today. And he is taking over play-calling duties from T. Martin. Ooh. Next game, USF showed... Ryan, you bragged about your correct call. I was right that USF were pretenders. Yes. They lost 57 to 36 at Houston. De'Ara King had 551 total yards, seven total touchdowns. And you know his biggest accolade this week, guys, right? Man Crush Crush Monday. Monday. Man Crush Monday. Follow us on Instagram at College Football Bros. Sorry, Aaron. Yeah, so yeah, Aaron wanted <laughs> he would, Gardner Maybe Minshew. we'll get another video from Aaron. He really wanted Gardner Minshew. <laughs> uh, anyway, really looking forward to a potential Houston UCF AAC championship. My last two games are two terrible Power Five teams getting wins in kind of crazy ways. Kansas scored a late touchdown against TCU, which kind of looked, I don't know if you guys saw it, it looked like he fumbled before the end zone. But there weren't really any good angles, so they weren't able to overturn it. And then TCU's last chance near the goal line, butt fumble. Yeah. <laughs> they butt fumbled. They sanchez <laughs> And Kansas got a 27-26 win. The other one, Oregon State at Colorado. They were down 31-3. to Wow, this was crazy. And they ended up tying it at 34, pending the extra point, which they missed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy, it was awful uh, they ended up winning in overtime though so crisis averted great win for the beavers my first game is kentucky at mizzou 
whatever rabbit foot or lucky item that Mark Stoops has, I I want it. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> Kentucky Kentucky won this one fifteen to fourteen with a touchdown pass on the last play of the game, which was an untimed down due to a terrible pass interference call the play before. I I didn't. Did you guys see the the pass interference call? Like that was. I did, yeah. I mean, not afterwards. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. It's wow, not the most shocking call I've ever seen, but yeah, definitely looked to be some offensive pi there as well. Pretty bit. Uh, but Kentucky's stout defense held Mizzou to zero first downs in the second half, and somehow won behind the arm of Terry Wilson, particularly on his last eight play, eighty one yard drive with a minute and a half to go. Uh, Matt Stinchcomb, who who was the color analyst for the game on SEC Network, said after. It was, quote, the most butt-ugly win he'd ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way Kentucky does it. I mean, credit credit to him. But so great. I was like... I'm sorry. Was- how many first downs did you say Missouri had in the second half? Zero. Okay. I just needed to confirm that because that's nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, it's That's wild. My next game, Clemson at Florida State. Clemson won this one 59-10 as it was the worst home loss in program history for the Knowles. Trevor Lawrence was brilliant, threw for four scores. The play of the game had to be when defensive lineman Christian Wilkins scored on a handoff in the second quarter. It looked like uh, the fridge out there. <laughs> Clemson continues it, its march to the playoff. He didn't get touched until he was like three yards into the end zone. <laughs> yeah, Florida State just gave up. Oregon at Arizona. Arizona won this one in Tucson 44-15. to Wow. This, that score was indicative of what happened in the game as the Wildcats just dominated in every category. Oregon looked completely uninterested in playing this one, and Herbert had one of his worst games of his career. Khalil Tate returned, looked a little bit closer to his 2017 self, but J.J. Taylor was the star. He ran for 212 and two touchdowns. Finally, NC State at Syracuse. This game lit up the scoreboard as Syracuse won 51-41. to Both Finley and Dungy threw for over 400 yards, and each team had over 500 yards of offense. Great game for Dungy, considering Babers didn't name him the starter until before the game, after there was rumors of, of him being benched for the, the freshman Tommy DeVito, who sounds like he should whack somebody. Uh, <laughs> Syracuse got to 6-2 and two and became bowl eligible for the first time in five years. Good for them. All right, so that'll do it for week nine, and there are no segments this week. Took little too much time at the beginning of the episode with uh, rude interruption. So let's just get right into. Wait just a second, college football bros. I'm back. This time, I'm going to take you on a tour of the Hall of Broken Dreams. The place college football fans' hopes and wishes go to die. (laughs) Willie Taggart with that roster... Watch out, ACC. Clay Helton's going to prove all the doubters wrong this year. Scott Frost is turning it around in year one. Seven and five at worst. If Michigan State goes undefeated this year, Brian Lewerke might be a dark horse for the Heisman. It's me, Beth Mullins, and I'll just to let you know I'll be announcing the Ohio State-Michigan game this year on prime time. Bryce Love for Heisman. Alex Hornibrick for Heisman. Khalil Tate for Heisman. Gus Malzahn is going to lead Auburn to the playoff. Wish Florida would at least cover the spread against Georgia. <sighs> Sigh. Wisconsin will finally break through and win the Big Ten. They will also get a trip to the college football playoff. My three boys will create a podcast that makes me proud. 
<laughs> oh boy that oh, last one wow. was a little bit hurtful guys ouch yikes that was cold cold-blooded <laughs> uh okay well thanks to everyone who called in except for our mom who apparently we have let down yeah <laughs> she's used to that though right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, okay let's uh let's move on and preview week 10 but i will say now that we have the devil here with us do you guys think we should uh invite him to make some picks let's do it yeah i'd like to hear what he has to say all right satan what do you think you in i'd love to i've been on fire lately get it because i'm in hell (laughs) (sighs) already regretting this decision wow (laughs) all right first game oklahoma minus 10 at texas tech ryan who do you like I like uh, the Sooners a lot. Uh, they looked fantastic on both sides of the ball last week against K-State. Um, and I, I know Texas Tech has a good offense, but I don't see them being able to keep up with arguably the best offense in the country in OU, maybe save Alabama. Um, but yeah, with Kyler Murray leading that, I, I don't think Texas Tech is going to be able to keep this one close. So I'm going to say OU, and they're going to be my lock of the week. Wow. All right. Kyler Murray's numbers are ridiculous. You know, every week I look at his stat line and I, I just shake my head. He, he's the man. Uh, this game, it has a history of putting up some insane offensive numbers. Texas Tech is going to be able to score and move the ball in the Sooners defense, but I don't see how they're going to be able to slow down Oklahoma offense, kind of like you, Ryan. So I think Oklahoma is going to put up those video game numbers and win this one comfortably. I agree. Three for three here. Um, Texas Tech's defense, they definitely have improved this year, but a lot of those great performances have come against Kansas, Lamar, even a struggling TCU. So most game... What's that? Lamar who? Uh, Lamar University. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Uh, But against good offenses, Ole Miss, Houston, West Virginia, Iowa State, they've given up 40 or more in all of those games. So... I know they play a fast pace, so sometimes those numbers get skewed, but but still, they're they're going to give up 40 or 50 to Oklahoma, you'd have to think. Uh, but I think the key is Oklahoma's defense. I know they've struggled this year, but under Ruffin McNeil, the last couple games, they've looked better. So I really like OU here as well, and I think they're going to make a run to the playoff here at the end of the season. People have kind of forgotten about them, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to make them my lock of the week as well. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> double lock ryan at least it's not a three-way not a three-way not lock, quite, so we're, not quite. we're all right yeah most importantly though what are your thoughts on this game devil you know the only thing hotter than texas tech's offense uh, <laughs> i'm gonna guess hell <laughs> no cliff kingsbury oh give me texas tech and the points <laughs> classic <laughs> if he must he's like the satan from south park then i guess huh yeah exactly exactly <laughs> next game Notre Dame, minus eight at Northwestern. Trey, what are your thoughts here? We know the pattern for Northwestern is to play up or down to their competition, and I think that will be no different here. The Irish, they're going to have to overcome that notoriously notoriously thick grass at Ryan, Ryan Field, which will neutralize some of their speed advantages. Northwestern has also managed to find a running game in the last couple weeks with freshman Isaiah Bowser. So I like the Wildcats to slow down Book and the Irish just enough to cover the spread. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm tempted to take Northwestern because I still do not trust Notre Dame. 
Real, I mean, you can't take away that Michigan win week one. That's a legit win. That's going to potentially carry them to the playoff. But since then, I mean, they really haven't played anyone. We thought when they beat up Stanford, that was a super impressive victory, looking less impressive by the week. Virginia Tech, that one looks probably even worse than the Stanford win. So, And then the rest of their games really is close games against mediocre competition. So I want to pick against them, but then I look at Northwestern especially at home this year. They lost to Duke. They lost to Akron. We're extremely lucky to beat our Nebraska Cornhuskers. Mm. And Clayton Thorson going up against a good defense, I just I don't like their chances. He's got 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions on the year. So it's I'm going to take Notre Dame. It's good balance. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good when you're talking <laughs> quarterback. Uh, I'm going to agree with Trey on this one. I, I like Northwestern. Um, I don't know. They just always compete. I, I don't see them getting getting beat by much at home and at Ryan Field. I know that's not like a huge advantage there, but at least they're not playing in South Bend. Um, and like Trey said, they have a good ground game now, which that was absent for a long time without Jeremy Larkin. So I think they're going to be able to keep this one close. Um, I'm going to take Northwestern in the points. Dark Lord, what do you think? Northwestern waitlisted me. I'm still not over it. Oh. I'll take Notre Dame. But, but he got into Notre Dame? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe. You can ask him. I don't think he'll answer. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Uh, West Virginia at Texas. The Longhorns are a two-point favorite. Huge game for the Big 12 championship race. One thing that worries me in this game is, I kind of brought it up earlier, Texas's cornerback play. Um, I thought coming into the year that that was going to be a strength. Chris Boyd was first team all Big 12 and all the magazines, but He's struggled this year, um, at least judging by Texas message boards and judging by, I don't know if you guys saw, Emmanuel Acho on Twitter this yeah. weekend said, quote, I can't watch this dude play defense anymore. It's actually trash. If you know, you know. Hashtag Texas. Ouch. And he, did, he didn't explicitly say that it was Chris Boyd, but everyone seemed to think that's who he was talking about. Um, so with that kind of... I guess weakness there, um, especially depth wise going up against West Virginia, who is very deep at wide receiver. Uh, hard for me to, to like Texas here, but before I make my pick, I just want to say, I know I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm not a huge fan of Tom Herman, but I'm not going to let bias influence my picks. You know, we try to be objective here. It's something it's important to us. So having said that, I'm going to take West Virginia to win by three. Um, but I'll also predict that Tom Herman, at some point during the game, poops his pants. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, was, it was, I knew that I was going somewhere like that. <laughs> you didn't think I was being earnest? Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Good yeah. call. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, the Big 12 is a tough conference for me to figure out, but I'm, I got to go with the Mountaineers here as well. Um, they looked impressive last week, especially defensively. And with Taylor Cornelius having such a good game last week against this Longhorn defense, I think that really bodes well for Will Greer and company. And so I, I think uh, Mountaineers will light up the scoreboard. Give me, give me them. Yeah, clean sweep. I like the Mountaineers, especially since they get an extra couple days to prepare since they played on Thursday night. And Ellinger and the Horns, they're going to score against this 46th ranked Massey Peabody defense of West Virginia. But Ooh, a Massey Peabody drop. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Makes my panties drop. Oh, boy. No, all right. All right. <laughs> I should have said that. All right. I'm going back to the uh, F and P, FPI and S&P Plus. Never going to do that again. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Mountaineers win this one straight up. 
All right, there's one more opinion we need to hear from on this game. You know, I tried to put a hex on West Virginia's offense one time. Didn't work out. Okay. Why not? Yeah, why? No L divine intervention. <sighs> wow. As far as my pick, I'm the devil, so I've got to go with the horns. Ah, uh, makes sense. Uh, Noel Divine reference going deep in the archives. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Again, again, uh, I'm a big fan of 2004 football. Yeah. So. <laughs> or the devil is, I guess. The devil was, yeah. yes. Uh, Stanford at UW, the Huskies. I don't know if Noel Divine played in 04. Maybe he was a little after that, but. I think he was a little after that, right. yeah. Well, either way. Maybe, but maybe his high school clip was 04. Exactly. There you go. Uh, Washington is a nine point favorite. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Uh, yeah, th- this one is, uh, yeah, it's pretty much an elimination game. Well, I guess UW could still potentially do- make it if they, uh, if they lose this game, but it is for Stanford, that's for sure, as they'd have losses to both Washington schools. Um, but I'm actually, I like Stanford in this game. Um, and I actually like them straight up. Uh, they played pretty wow. well. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but, uh, UW lost to Cal last week. So don't go too crazy. <laughs> wow, checkmate. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I the Stanford played pretty well last week. Defensively, not that great, but Washington doesn't have a great offense, so I think they're not going to be really exposed there. Did you just say Stanford played well defensively last week? No, they did not play too well. Oh, okay. All right. All right. But but going up against Washington, I don't think they're going to have to worry too much about that because Washington doesn't have an explosive offense. Get it? Oh, I got, thanks. Okay. All right. You're just you're poning me this round. <laughs> um anyways uh yeah i think they're gonna fi- I, I like costello to find some make some make some big plays through the air and yeah i'm gonna take the the cardinal to win straight up i like washington uh the only thing that stanford has going for them in my mind is what you said there is the passing game which is good but that's kind of what washington is built to defend they've got great corners they've got physical safeties taylor rapp and jojo mcintosh so I think they'll be able to at least slow them down a little bit there. And another reason I like UW is rare for me, but it's a motivational reason. I typically don't like to try and predict, you know, people's mindsets, but Jake Browning got benched last week. Like you have to think that he's going to be extra motivated to come out and have a great game. So give me the Huskies. Or his confidence is completely shot. One or the other. See, that's why it's stupid to predict people. I'm so, why did I do that? Yeah. Why did I go yeah. into predicting mindsets? Well, no, I, I, I kind of go the, the opposite side of you, Michael, and saying that the fact that he was briefly benched, it kind of tells you all you need to know about Chris Peterson's confidence in the Huskies offense. Cause he's been pretty stubborn leaving, uh, Browning in there. It just hasn't, hasn't panned out. And they, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a difficult time to figure out who's going to be more motivated in this one. Stanford, they've lost three of four, and Washington's goals of a, of a big season have been smashed. Obviously, they can still win the North, but uh, but they had bigger fish in mind uh, to start the year. And in a game where I trust Stanford's offense a little bit more, I'm going to lean with them to cover, but, but I do think the Huskies win this one. All right, what are you thinking, Devil? That Stanford tree gives me the heebie-jeebies. I'll pick... Washington. Okay. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia, minus nine and a half at Kentucky. Monster game in the SEC East. Who would have thunk? Trey, yep. what, what are your thoughts here? Just like we all predicted before the season, Georgia mm-hmm. versus Kentucky to decide the SEC East. Sure. Kentucky has to have one of the biggest disparities ever in terms of their offense versus defense. According to S&P Plus, 
They have the third ranked defense, but the 109th ranked offense. Ouch. Yeah, that's like an opposite Texas Tech type team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as far as this game, it's it's a little tough to handicap for me. Uh, in my opinion, Georgia either wins this one easily, or if it's close at all, Kentucky is going to miraculously win like they have all year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've But I've been steadfast in saying that Kentucky has been pretenders all year, but to their credit and good for them, they've managed to win. I, I, I can't knock them for that. But I think the luck runs out here. Georgia's the class of the SEC East. They've played a tougher schedule. And they're going to take the division by by covering in this one as my lock of the week. All right. Um, you know, in my lifetime as a diehard college football fan, I can't remember a bigger game that Kentucky has played in. It This has to be it. So, you know, and I said this last week, uh, and, and the game against Missouri, it was a perfect example. Somehow, some way, Kentucky just finds ways to win despite that horrible quarterback play, but I don't think they can pull this one off. It's just too tall of a task against a great Georgia team. Uh, I think we'll see Georgia play their type of game and control the line of scrimmage, run the ball, uh, and win this one relatively easily. Uh, so give me, uh, give me a go. Yeah, we're all going to go with that. Um, Trey, you mentioned that you've kind of been thinking that Kentucky is a pretender all season. And I mean, I, I think they are. Well, it depends on what you consider a pretender. Like they're, they're good. Oh, what yeah. Do you guys think no, they're, of course, top. 20 kind of 20th ranked about yeah yeah maybe maybe if that but 25 team but i mean when you think about it like they were seven and a half point underdogs at missouri last week and they were kind of lucky to win so you have to think if they played missouri again even on a neutral site they'd be underdogs against what is missouri zero and four in the sec yeah something like that yeah Yeah. so that i mean it just goes to show you how much luck is involved here because it's telling you missouri the betting market is telling you missouri's every bit as good as kentucky yet they're just completely on opposite ends of the spectrum uh in the division anyway it's hard for me to pick a team uh to compete with georgia that would probably be an underdog to missouri i know that's kind of weird logic but i'm gonna lay the points with georgia but who cares what i think satan who do you like here i can't stand to see god win terry god win so my pick is Kentucky. Very clever, <laughs> that's, devil. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Very clever. Let's get to Penn State at Michigan. Wolverines are a 10-point favorite in this one. And I think that's too many points. Trace McSorley in his entire career has lost by more than a touchdown only once. Now, it was 49-10 to 10 against Michigan, but that was two years ago. McSorley was a sophomore. Um, so I just think it's really hard to blow out Penn State. James Franklin's upgraded the talent. The offense is still, you know, maybe one of the 10 or 15 best in college football. So even though I've been on Michigan's bandwagon all year, I have to take 10 points with Penn State here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm picking Penn State to cover as well. I love Michigan's defense. They're relentless. They're animals. But I'm still not totally in love and enamored with their offense. McSorley, he's going to be the best offensive player on the field. And I think he'll make enough plays to keep it close. The key for me is if Miles Sanders can get some running lanes. If the if the Wolverines shut him down, it's going to be a tall task for Penn State to to have a chance to win this one straight up. I think Michigan wins, but give me the 10 points and the Nittany Lions. All right, I'm going to go against the grain here. I like Michigan in this one, especially coming off of a bye week. So they'll be fresh and uh, ready to run wild on this Penn State team. I know McSorley is a great player and he's a great competitor, uh, but this is the best defense that he's played this year. And 
I don't know. I just think the Maize and Blue will be able to pressure him quite a bit. And I don't see Miles Sanders getting loose at all. Um, couldn't do it last week against Iowa. I don't see him going to Ann Arbor and doing it. So I'm taking Michigan minus the points. I'll have to recuse myself on this one, bros. Jim Harbaugh and I are currently in negotiations for the sale of his soul to beat Ohio State. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Right. Uh, thanks for being honest. Yeah. Alabama at LSU. Actually, no, this is an honorable mention. Let's skip this one, guys. Um, yeah. Why are we? Yeah. Why is this one? Uh, no, we can get to it. It's already on here. LSU is a 14 point dog, the largest underdog at home they've been since 1999. And we actually have a question that goes along with this. Uh, came from at Deloid69. He says, Alabama has not played a good defense yet this year. LSU has a good defense. Do you think Joey B can do enough for them to win? Uh, so, Ryan, what do you think about uh, that question? What do you think about this game? Boy, I, I certainly hope LSU's got the defense to slow down that Bama offense. It's just, please, please, please let this game be close is what I'm hoping for here. Um, yeah. I'd love to see LSU win, but more importantly, I just want to see a good game because if LSU gets blown out, I mean, it kind of makes the season mute or just boring because nobody's going to be able to keep compete with Bama. So having said that, I'm going to take LSU here because the atmosphere in Death Valley will be as good as it gets. Um, it's going to be so much, it would be so much fun to be at that game. So I don't know. We, I, we've got to get down there sometime. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. We, we haven't done that yet. We got to get down to a atmosphere like that. That'd be great. So give me LSU plus plus fourteen. My at least my bold my bold prediction. It's it's not so bold. Is that Tua is going to have to play in the fourth quarter in this one? <laughs> I mean, that's somewhat bold. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm also going to say that Bama's not going to score a touchdown on their opening drive for the first time. Oh, okay, all right. But bat, like you said, Ryan Baton Rouge is going to be lit for this one, but. And you got to think LSU's offense is going to have a few wrinkles ready so that Burrow isn't just a sitting duck back there for Bama. I also like the the kicking game of LSU's in, in Cole Tracy more than Alabama's special teams. But unfortunately for LSU fans, all of this won't necessarily amount to a victory. I think Bama flexes their muscle and they're not going not gonna to allow LSU's offense to muster enough up to win. I like LSU to cover, but not enough to beat Bama. Yeah, I mean... How could anyone pick LSU to to win? You know, I mean, it might happen. They might upset them. But how could you pick that? Uh, to answer David's question, though, I'll say that Alabama has played one decent defense, at least. They played Texas A&M, who's 19th defensively, according to Massey Peabody. And in that game, to a 13 yards per pass attempt, four touchdowns and no interceptions. So, I mean, to David's point though lsu is is definitely better they're sixth in massey peabody and if anybody's going to make Tua work it's the lsu secondary grant delpit at safety greedy williams at corner are both probably likely to be all americans at the end of the season so we'll see if they can slow them down um i think they'll do a better job than anybody else has you know like i like you said trey i think we will see uh Tua in the fourth quarter but i don't think joey b is enough to beat Alabama you know I don't think LSU's offense is going to keep up so I, I just think a team like Clemson might be the only team that has a chance against this Alabama team you have to be elite on both sides of the ball because LSU is not I will take Alabama to win and cover but it is time for Satan's final pick I'll have to recuse myself once again bros because 
I will be coaching Alabama in this one. <laughs> yeah. Saw that one coming. Ah, oh, Nick. Classic, classic <laughs> Nick. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Nick. <laughs> Honorable mentions time. Trey, you are up first. All right, let's start it off with Temple at number nine UCF. UCF's currently a 10.5 point favorite, and this game is on Thursday night. The loser of this game will likely be eliminated from winning the AAC East Division. And this will be the toughest defense that Central Florida has had to face this year. Temple has held teams to under 150 yards per game passing, so Milton's going to have a, a challenge on his hands. The only way Temple can win this one is if quarterback Anthony Russo plays a clean game. He's thrown nine touchdowns versus ten interceptions. I'm going to call for Temple to cover, but the Knights win. Next game, Pitt at number 23, Virginia, on Friday night, where the Cavs are a seven and a half point favorite. I like Virginia here. Mendenhall has done a great job re- rebuilding, and Bryce Perkins at quarterback has been a difference maker. Even though the Cavs don't necessarily have an excellent offense but lucky for them Pitt's defense gives up over 30 points and 436 yards per game go Wahoos next game Colorado at Arizona this game's also on Friday night and Arizona is currently a four-point favorite Colorado comes into this matchup losing three straight and obviously with their most recent crushing loss to Oregon State Arizona played their best game of the year by whipping Oregon Khalil Tate while still not 100% looked better than he had all year These teams are going in opposite directions, so I'm going to take the Wildcats to win at home. Finally, number 25, Texas A&M at Auburn. The Tigers are currently a five-point favorite. What has happened to Stidham and Malzahn's offense? They currently have the 84th-ranked S&P Plus offense. You can really tell they lack the running back that they traditionally had to help them. Guys like Kerryon Johnson, Trey Mason, etc. So... On the other side of AM, Travion Williams and Kellen Mond, they're going to be attacking that stout Auburn D. If Auburn doesn't win this game, they're staring at a 6-6 six and six season that, since they still have to play at Georgia and at Bama. I like the Aggies to cover in this game. All right, I think it bears mentioning uh, we are recording this before the playoff rankings, so we do not know what the committee's rankings are. My first game, Iowa at Purdue. Purdue's a two-point favorite. Like I said earlier, if Iowa loses this, Northwestern, very clear path to the Big Ten title. And I think Rondell Moore's playmaking is the difference here. I'm taking Purdue. And if you remember, this was actually the game that Beth Moens on our podcast said before the season she was most looking forward to. It's true. Yeah. Which was a sort of a joke at the time, but now it's it turned out to be oh, a great game. It was definitely game. a joke at the time. Yeah. Iowa State is a 14.5 point favorite at Kansas. And watch out for Iowa State in the Big 12 title race. They'll be favored in every game except for likely at Texas, of course. But if they are able to beat Texas, they'll have that tiebreaker. They, of course, already have the tiebreaker against West Virginia. But first things first, they got to beat Kansas this weekend, who is not totally awful, but I trust Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy to get the job done. Next up, BC are a two-point road favorite at Virginia Tech. If Virginia Tech wants to stay alive in the Coastal, this is pretty much a must win um i think justin fuente is going to write the ship i trust ryan willis a little bit more than i do boston college quarterback anthony brown willis is 15th nationally in qbr whereas brown is 66th my final game is utah state at hawaii this will be a nice little dessert after uh, alabama lsu for me the top three g5 teams in the country are fresno ucf 
and then Utah State. Um, I don't think there's much separation between those three. Since losing week one at Michigan State in a close one, Utah State has just dominated everyone. Not a great schedule, but still. Their quarterback, Jordan Love, only a sophomore, has 18 touchdowns and four interceptions. So I think they'll go on the road and get a, a, a nice win at a Hawaii team that has been struggling lately. All right, good job, Mike. Um, Thank you. Almost, yeah, you're welcome. I'm going to start with Missouri at number 13, Florida, who is a six-point favorite. Uh, both teams were all but eliminated from SEC contention, um, SEC East contention. Um, but it's still a big game as Florida still has a, a great chance of making a New Year's Six Bowl, and Missouri is trying to inch closer to bowl eligibility, sitting at 4-4. Four and four. I like Florida to bounce back in this one. They ran the ball pretty well against Georgia, rushing for 170 yards. So I think they're going to run for 200-plus against Missouri and cover that six-point spread. Uh, my, number, my next game is number 16, Utah, who's a seven-point favorite at the Sun Devils. You know, I know Washington State beat Utah and has one less loss, but to me, the Utes have looked like the best team in the Pac-12 the last four weeks. They've won their last four games by at least two scores and scored 40 or more points in all four of those games, and the offense was kind of their question mark with them going into the year. So looking good there in Salt Lake City. Um, so I'm going to take the Utes minus the points. Uh, my next game, we got Duke at Miami, and Miami's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Both of these teams uh, are in need of a victory after two straight losses. Miami still has a sliver of hope to win the division, although I certainly wouldn't bet on it. Uh, but I'll take Duke in this game uh, because Daniel Jones has been playing pretty well lately, even though they weren't able to pull out some victories. Um, but I just think they have a big advantage at that position over Miami. And then finally, we have Cal at number 10, top 10, Washington State Cougars. Uh, the Cougars are minus 10 and a half. Uh, can Cal pull off upsets in consecutive weeks here? I don't think so. It's a much tougher win, uh, much tougher to win at the Palouse. So uh, I'm liking the Cougs in this one. I think their defense will be able to hold Chase Garbers and Cal in check. And Gardner Minshew will continue his stellar season and lead the Cougs to a two touchdown victory. Um, and there's no way, no way I can bet against the Cougs as they are currently 8 0 against the spread. It's free money. I know, right? You can't lose. All right. This is a long podcast, guys. So time to get to the questionable finish. This episode is being released on Halloween. So which coach costume combo would make the most sense? All right. I'll start us off here. Uh, I'm going to say Kirby Smart. Uh, he should be Barney from the Flintstones. Oh, Oh, he, he I could see, he does look like him. Yeah, if you line it up, he actually does look like him. All right. Uh, I will say Texas offensive coordinator Tim Beck should dress up as death uh, because he kills oh, every offense he touches. Oh, God. Wow, <laughs> oh, man. God. <laughs> Poor Tim Beck. Yeah. He had some decent years there. Alternate, alternate answer, Clay Helton should go as a competent football coach. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, was a low, that was a low blow. Sorry. Yeah, low blows, Mike. I'm going to say... I have a couple, actually. James Franklin could go as Keegan-Michael Key, since oh, Keegan-Michael Key always does yeah. it. Mike Leach, we know, would be a pirate. Yeah. I think I think Chip Kelly could be a ventriloquist, since he's always talking out of the side of his mouth. Oh, yeah. okay. And, yeah. and Bill Snyder as Mr. Rogers. Yeah, okay. All right. Well done. All right. I got excited at that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Uh, next question. What is your favorite Halloween costume that you've ever worn so this isn't a political statement at all but when i was gosh i don't know, remember how old i was but whenever that clinton 
Monica Lewinsky thing was going down, I was able to get one of those masks of Bill Clinton, but it had lipstick all over him, so I dressed as, as Clinton after that whole saga. Nice, nice. I can remember uh, Aaron, who sent in a video you heard earlier on the podcast, putting that Clinton mask on the freeway and <laughs> putting his head out of cars and trying to <laughs> disturb other drivers. I remember that, too. Uh, for me, it was a couple years ago. I was Stuart from Mad TV. Oh, and my girlfriend was Stuart's mom. Stuart. That, that's Let a good one. Let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> uh, all right. For me, uh, a couple years ago, I don't know. For me, this was just cool. I was a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Do you have any pictures of that? I, I had the penguin moves, you know, just kind of like a little flip. Yeah. yeah. Waddle. Uh, do I have pictures? Uh, I don't know, but I still have the costume, I think. So. All right. It was, yeah, you know. I wore to uh, I had to have an appropriate costume since I work at a I've, I'm a teacher so yeah I can't show up with uh, the devil or something <laughs> no uh, <laughs> all right final question what is your upset special for this weekend I'm going coastal Car- well by the way I had Kansas last weekend so I had yeah. got to bring that up uh, this week I'm going coastal Carolina over App State. As we're recording this, it remains to be seen whether Zach Thomas Zach Tomas excuse me will be back <laughs> from his concussion. But if he's not, I definitely like Coastal Carolina. I think they've got a decent chance because of the way uh, App State's backups played. And I know Coastal Carolina, their quarterback, I should have wrote down his name, <laughs> Milton Anderson? I don't know. He's hurt too, but they've had you know a longer time to adjust from that. So Coastal Carolina. I'm gonna and take I will Google that name right now. <laughs> the Chanticleers. All right. I'm going to take Baylor. They're currently an eight-point underdog to Okie State. Okie State's on a high after beating Texas, but now they have to go to Waco to face a 4-4 and Baylor team. It's going to be an 11 a.m. local kick. It just screams a, a Baylor win here. Kilton Anderson. I was one letter off. Kilton Anderson. Oh, Kilton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember very, he was way close. high up in the ranks in QBR, but he's hurt. Ah. All right. Uh, well, I mentioned this one earlier, but I'm going to take uh, the Cardinal, Stanford. They're eight-and-a-half-point dogs uh, in Seattle. I mean, with that that offense they have up there in Seattle, I think Stanford could compete. So I'll look for the Cardinal to win that one. All right. Thanks for listening to the Halloween special College Football Bros podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you like the show, if you appreciate the, uh, the devil joining us this week, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Guys, any closing thoughts? The devil. Wow. That's my devil voice. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Good job. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, Follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. The Devil.